You're listening to Weekend Sports Buzz. Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. Good morning, sports fans. Mike Gandolfo here with Haven Harrington on uh, the Weekend Sports Buzz brought to you by Brandon J. Lawrence, personal injury attorney. And I haven't been on this air for a long time. It feels like that I've just uh, you know been missing out. So we had a, it's been, this is the first time in August that I've been here. It, it has. So did you all have a nice time uh, without me on August 2nd? We were off the air last week because of uh, Little League football. We're going to have a shorter show today because the, uh, the, the the football kids kick off at 10 o'clock. So we only got one hour here with everyone. But uh, it sounds like you all had a pretty good show out there at Skyline Park. Uh, yes. Yeah. Well, actually, I wasn't there. No? I wasn't there. They, they called my uh, my partner crime, Mr. Myers. Rashawn Myers in the house. And then we got to also give uh, wish JT good luck. Uh, JT was with us this summer. Actually, got a job in Nebraska with a with a television station. So, good luck to JT, and I hope he does well. Man, I know that he is excited to be back in Big Twelve country. I'm sure he is, and I'm also excited to see that you survived the purge last night. It, it was rough. <laughs> it, it was rough. It was roaming teens just all over the place. It, I, was, it was scary. Well, and I'm sure it was taken a little bit more seriously in light of what happened in the spring. Uh, you know, with the with the kids running wild from water. I live on Gus Field. It was completely dead by like eleven o'clock. Was it? It, just, it was. It was just dead. I just. It was like I, nobody was out. And the only reason I'm bringing it up because I don't want to give this thing any more consideration than it needs to. And I, I you know, I would kind of wish the media would have kind of. I guess they have to lightly touch on it, but don't blow it out of proportion. It was a slow news day, and but. There is a sports story to this. Simon Kenton, varsity football team was supposed to schedule was supposed to scrimmage uh, my St. Xavier Tigers yesterday, and uh, they they didn't come. They canceled it because they were scared about the purge. Now, where's St. X? Is St. X in a spot that would be even like in consideration for a purge kind of thing happen? First off. What what a purge happens in like the okay I watched the movie once and oh you saw the movie I, I saw the movie it, it, the movie's all right it's you know it's it's all right it's it a pretty decent concept but the movie like all the killings and stuff takes place in upper middle class suburbs oh really yeah everything wow. takes place like in the upper middle class suburbs so all right so St Matthew's watch out <laughs> that's right <laughs> Roman the Highlands I guess I just uh, I don't know it it, it really kind of bothered me. Uh, that Simon Kenton would put, you know, I understand that they got to think about the safety of their students first, but to give any kind of credibility to that kind of internet rumor. Started by an Iroquois high school student. And go JCPS education. And letting that kind of just, in some ways, it encourages more activity like that. If it can disrupt, if something like that can disrupt. And, but it, it sounds like most people just went off their lives last, yesterday and didn't even pay much attention to it. I don't think I really cared. No. And and I guess the other thing that's kind of disappointing is after a weekend where our city, I thought, did a great job and shined bright with the PGA Championship, we're followed up with this kind of nonsense this weekend. But the PGA Championship was absolutely phenomenal. Did you get the chance to catch it on TV? I got a, I got several chances to catch it on television. Now, I did hear that, you know, is even though it was, like, really, really awesome, uh, a couple of folks I know who run some downtown hotels weren't exactly thrilled. Uh, with the PGA because apparently they downtown Louisville didn't get a lot of uh, the PGA traffic 
A lot of guys, really? did, yeah, a lot of guys didn't stay in the downtown hotels. They stayed in the hotels, kind of, you know, as you would think around, you know, around Valhalla, because then they built all those brand new hotels off, off of Blankenbaker Road, and you know, most most of the suburban hotels where, where most of the traffic was, and the guys who in the Gold House and some places downtown, kind of like, man, we thought it was gonna get a little more. Uh, and I guess the, the attendance on most days was right around between forty five and fifty thousand people, and I would say you got to think at least half of those are local, if not more than half are local. So oh, yeah. it's probably wasn't as big as a hotel demand as, but there was a lot of there was a lot of international people there. I mean, I was surprised uh, from the spectator standpoint. I, most of the golfers are renting out houses and staying close to the course. So, uh, and and then the media, I was a little bit surprised. About the media side of that, I thought the the event was phenomenal. I mean, even um, on Sunday when I'm sitting there in the torrential downpour that occurred, the two plus inches that happened in like 45 minutes, uh, it really just our, that golf course sets up for so much drama, and uh, it it was a lot of fun. To see the the best part of the whole tournament for me though was Kenny Perry, Kentucky's Kenny Perry played Sunday on his birthday. He just all he really wanted to do is make the cut. He's coming down 18. He hits a terrible tee shot way left. Uh, has to just pitch back into the fairway, so he's still got like 214 yards to the to the green. It's uphill on 18, and he hits a four iron and puts it like inches from the cup, and the whole the whole crowd just exploded. And it was the loudest that um, that hole got all day long, even with Rory coming down in the nighttime uh, to, to win the event. So I, I just think uh, we did a great job. It was I was out there. Uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and uh, it was absolutely amazing. So, and it's, it's something I think we're going to get back. It looks like we actually might be the first U.S. golf course to get a second Ryder Cup. Really? Yeah. Well, because you know, um, I was uh, reading an article, and I, I forgot the golf magazine. I was actually reading an article in, but it was ranking like the top. Uh, was it the top twenty golf uh, tournaments of? The decade, and Valhalla's in two of them. Really, yeah. just the two thousands? Yes. Wow, because we only had the well, like two thousands, or was like the last. I mean, it's, it's like top like last couple several years. But I know the, we made the top. Uh, we made the top ten twice. I mean, not top ten twice, but we we're in the. We had two uh, two championships there in the top ten. I was like, this is just amazing. It's like wow. Yeah, I know that the uh, you know that that Tiger Woods won in extra holes. In two thousand, that was that was like number two. That was one, yeah. And then the Ryder Cup here was with the big that was like ups. number seven or eight. So that that doesn't surprise me. Doesn't surprise me at all. They're actually showing on ESPN right now. Uh, another team that's close to my heart. It looks like Notre Dame might be uh, in a little bit of trouble. Paper Tigers, baby. <sighs> Paper Tigers. So Notre Dame uh, looks like they had some academic uh, fraud. Some guys maybe turning some work that wasn't their own. There was talk yesterday on the internet before this story broke officially before the Notre Dame press conference that they were going to vacate wins uh, from the 2012 season. I have not seen that since the uh, since the word came out. They have re- announced that four guys are being looked into for their academic fraud. They have not been kicked out of school yet, but they are suspended off the football team, and uh, uh, three of them are well. Actually, guys- actually, they're not suspended off the football team. They're being Withheld from the team, withheld pending, from, yes, pending investigation. Because when it first came out, they were going to be suspended for the whole year. And that's what everybody kind of, kind of heard and thought they weren't going to play this year. Uh, and they were kicked off the team. 
Uh, but then, like an hour later, Notre Dame came out. I was like, no, no, no. They're just they're being held back pending the investigation. So depending on how the investigation turns out, they could be available for the, the first game of the season. Why well, have to see. I mean, their best wide receiver, their best cornerback, um, a backup linebacker, uh, and I think the other one was a defensive lineman. And it's just uh, not com- not connected, it doesn't look like, to the Everett Golson situation that they had. But Notre Dame's not used to having these kind of academic problems. They're not used to having this kind of uh, – uh, sanctions come up against them. I, I can't ever remember a time with Notre Dame being in trouble, and uh, I don't. I think they've handled it the right way. I don't. They've gotten out in front of the thing. You know, they're the ones who are kind of taking the the forefront. But uh, this defense, Notre Dame's defense, is going to be very young anyway. They've lost a lot of talent over the last two years, losing a, uh, a great cover corner and uh, potentially a defensive lineman that was at least a second stringer. That that's really going to hurt uh, Notre Dame's, but. You know, and Notre Dame's not going to put up with that stuff. They're not going to. They're not going to put up with the any kind of academic fraud or any kind of uh, improprieties that any of these kids have. It's seems like no book scandals, like a Bobby Bowden FSU when they lost twenty two players before the UK bowl game. Nothing like that. No, nothing like that. Nothing like UNC where the whole, pretty much the whole football team was taking like underwater basket weaving. <laughs> yeah, I don't. And, and everybody was like doing their papers for them. I mean, I don't ever remember. Do you ever remember a time that Notre Dame even sniffing trouble? Well, not really. No, I mean, that's they've always been kind of. They kind of like know. the Duke of football. Yeah, I mean, I think they're they're pretty much a gold standard in a lot of sports. They're just not very good. They're okay in basketball, but no, everything no. else, they're I'm going to say they're, they're the Duke of football. Like, if they do stuff, ah, it's Notre Dame. Everybody just kind of overlooks oh, it. Oh, no, 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 no. Because, because it's Notre Dame. You know, it's, like, it's, it's like Duke in basketball. You know, Duke, Duke, like Duke in basketball, they, they get called red-handed, I think hand Notre in a cookie the jar. They get they call red-handed, you know, hand in a cookie jar. Mike Chetesky is like, turns around, I was like, who, me? And I was like, no, it's okay. Go ahead and take the cookie. It, it's, it's all right. There's somebody else supposed to hand the cookie jar. It's like, what you doing? No, this is the gold. I think Notre Dame's the gold standard. I mean, this is a guy. This is a team that Lou Holtz wanted them to loosen their uh, enrollment requirements for the football players, and they wouldn't do it, so he left. You know, I, Notre Dame's got standards, and uh, they you're not gonna, they're not going to loosen their standards for athletic prowess. You know, I, I think they, uh, and they don't really need to. I mean, they're going to have a following regardless. So. Um, with the, especially with their alumni base being as strong as it is. I, I don't know. I I don't see them, you know, in the Duke situation, with like we have concrete cases <laughs> of like Corey Maggette and and things like that coming out where it's like, in North Carolina too, they're just as bad. North Carolina's worse. Yeah, a, a concrete cases like, man, this is, looks really bad for them, and then NCAA slaps on the wrist. There's nothing like no, that. Man, nothing happens. No, don't slap on the wrist. Like nothing happens. It's nothing like, happens, right. It's like, please don't do that again. They're like, okay, we won't. Yeah, was, I promise. If it was Lexington, they'd be it would be all over. Yeah, if it was Louisville, would be all over. It was it was any other basketball team in the country, it'd be all over. And same thing in North Carolina. I mean, look at the massive cheating scandals with UNC. Yeah, I mean, guys come out in ESPN stories and just flatly said, uh, "Yeah, I didn't, I, I didn't go to class." Uh, speaking of Louisville and Lexington, real quick, Jim will end the first hour or first segment with this. The uh, I posted something on my Facebook page. I don't know if you saw it or not, but there was a, a ranking of the top 50 college towns in America. And I'm like, all right, college towns, you know. Starksville. Well, you're thinking it could be small towns. You know, I don't know exactly what the criteria they're using here. Uh, but when the, 
the the list came out. There was school. There was Minneapolis was on there. Pittsburgh was on there. I was like, all right, Louisville should definitely be on this. I mean, Louisville's got to be one. If it's bigger cities, smaller cities, Louisville's got to be. I mean, compared one to Pittsburgh, them. because let's be honest, nobody in Pittsburgh even follows the Pitt Panthers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I know people from Pittsburgh. They don't follow the Pitt Panthers. And or I went to a Pitt Panthers game when they played Notre Dame. Notre Dame was up so big that everyone just left at halftime, and it wasn't like they were. It was like completely over. It was like twenty-one to three, and people just cleared out. <laughs> I mean, it, I would not call them great. And this is not a college sports thing. This is just college towns. And uh, Louisville did not make the list at all. Top fifty didn't wasn't one of the top fifty towns. Lexington came in at nineteen, and cities like Pittsburgh and Minneapolis got ranked. I I, I had a hard time thinking. Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, especially Pittsburgh because there's, there's no college. I mean, they don't have any any type of college atmosphere at all. I mean, that that is a it's just like Philadelphia. That that is a pro city through and through. I mean, Philadelphia has some great, great college teams. You got Temple, Villanova. I mean, you have some great, you know, college teams in Pittsburgh. I mean, in in Philadelphia, but. No, that's that's a pro town. Right. Like Pittsburgh is a pro town. Like Cleveland is college, a pro town. The colleges are an afterthought. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. It just it kind of rubbed me the wrong way because I thought, you know, I think if if you're only looking at small towns, I think Lexington's got to be up there. I mean, as as a great college sport, not a college, it's a great college sports town for sure, but a college, just a college town. And then Louisville, especially with the improvements that the University of Louisville has made with their housing, uh, with with uh, Cardinal Town with make become more of a research facility, well, not, but but, but just the, the but just the attendance of the the football and basketball games, you know, let alone be enough. You would think so. Yeah, I mean, I guess if that's how you're going to judge a college town, you know, not again, not a college sports town, just a college town. But uh, it it really kind of shocked me a little bit that Louisville didn't even get a sniff, and you know, Pittsburgh and Minneapolis are getting ranked in the top fifteen. That's crazy. Because Minneapolis, I mean, Minneapolis is another the Golden Gophers. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. I mean. Because they got hockey, I guess. I don't know if that's, you know, but Minnesota hockey's not even all that good. UM Duluth is really good. But uh, I don't know. I, I just, again, but I, I can't imagine that Louisville would not be left off, would be left off that list. But uh, everything's looking really good coming into uh, the upcoming football season. We're going to get into that a little bit. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Bobby Ball coming back. Bobby Ball is back. The, the scrimmage is going on right now at Papa John's Cardinal Stadium. Is it an open scrimmage? It's open scrimmage. Start at 9 o'clock. Yeah. So uh, I'm sure a lot of folks are either heading out there out there right now. He's got his wife and his girlfriend there? He has them both. The whole volleyball team's there? And, 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 as long as he wins, nobody cares. Got extra neck braces on the sideline? Just in case. <laughs> Just in case. You never know. And So uh, Louisville looks like they had a little bit of quarterback controversy earlier this week. Uh, Louisville's quarterback controversy has nothing to do with the starter, with Will Gardner. This Will is, Gardner's the starter. He's the starter. This is all about who's going to be the backup. This is all about number two and three. Uh, you know, Cal Bolin, he uh, he hurt his uh, knee. He went home and during the summer, was working out, tweaked his knee, had to have surgery again. So I kind of put him back. So he had, you know, he had surgery last year on one knee. This, he hurt his other knee this year. So that, I kind of sit him back with you know getting reps and, and prep and learning the offense, things of that nature. Uh, Reggie Bonifant has looked like he's the real deal. I mean, he man, did, I don't. I still. I saw the kid play in high school like several times, and I just. I do not see it at all. Well, when one of the things to look at, he has good velocity on the ball. He has good accuracy. Um, he has great intangibles like the leadership ability. Now it's just learning how to be a quarterback. You know, learning how to. You know, do your reads, break down a defense, and and, and 
you know, feel that pressure. Well, if Reggie Bonfin's a real deal, that makes me feel a lot better about Drew Barker because I didn't think there was any kind of comparison between the two. Well, you know, to me, and, and this is, and, and, and I talked to a, an AP writer out of a Lexington over over the weekend and kind of talked about the, the two programs there. And, you know, I'm still kind of on the fence with, with, with Neil Brown. I'm I'm still kind of on the fence with Neil Brown. He, he still doesn't have all the weapons there to really run the air raid offense. I know they want to run. Uh, but I think it's better now. I mean, I think it's it's definitely better, but they're young. Yeah, the, yeah. The, they're young, and they still don't have the weapons yet, and they don't have the trigger man yet uh, to run the offense that they want to run. Bobby is a proven quarterback savant. I, I don't disagree with that. He, he, he's made, a, he made Hunter Cantwell an NFL prospect. I yes. Think. I mean, he, he's a proven quarterback savant. So if he can say that I can I can work with Reggie Bonifant and make him good, then he's he's good. And I'm still kind of, you know, with UK, and we can talk about this after the break. You know, I, I predicted four wins during the summer. Remember that? I, I, remember you, I said yep. I said we win four wins. After some things I've read and, you know, seeing some kind of practices, you know, I'm going to talk about that. Okay, well, well, we'll tease that a little bit, and we'll come back after the break, and we'll talk a little bit about the upcoming football season. Also got to talk, talk a little bit about Kentucky basketball going on right now and Indiana basketball, uh, both doing summer tours. So, We'll be right back on the Weekend Sports Buzz brought to you by Brandon J. Lawrence, personal injury attorney. You're listening to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Fort Lincoln Buzz Line at 384-1450. All right, we are back here at 1450 WXVW. The Weekend Sports Buzz, Mike Gandolfo, Haven Harrington, talking sports here for the next uh, about 40 minutes, maybe 35 minutes, something like that. We're off the air at 9.55, so we'll kick it over to some youth football here, covering the uh, local Indiana stuff. That's kind of what the station's all about. Uh, if you have any comments you want to call in, the Oxmore Ford Lincoln Buzz Line, 384-1450. We'd love to hear from you. And we were talking a little bit about how things are progressing in Lexington. Kind of started touching on that uh, as far as the Kentucky football squad goes. And, um, and both of us, I think, kind of were on the four-win train at the beginning of the summer with uh, with Kentucky. And now, you know, uh, we're in the football seasons. The reports I'm seeing at Lexington is Neil Brown's happy happier with the pace the offense is playing with um, and kind of where things are going. I You said you weren't sold on Neil Brown, and I, I, I feel like it was kind of unfair to judge him off last year. Just the, the they had no tools. I mean, uh, I, think, I think this year Neil's going to have better tools. He's going to have – I, I think they're going to have three running backs that I would put up against any three running backs um, in this area, including down the road. So they're going to have the transfer from from Nebraska. Who's who's a, who's, who's so, a beast? Who's a beast? And he is supposedly killing it. JoJo Kemp last year at times looked really really good, and you'd have to expect his progression. Uh, you know where he's going to be a major running back player, and then uh, getting. Um, Blanking on his name right now. The the kid has been hurt so much. But he when he came out as a freshman, he looked like he was a stud, and then he got hurt his freshman year, and then he basically missed all of last year. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know exactly uh, what you're talking about. And his name was – I want to say Collins. but that's, I want to say Collins too, but uh, I don't think that's right. I'll, I'll look it up right now. But I feel like they've got really good depth at the running back position. I feel like uh, they've got receivers now that are – they're going to be young. Still, uh, with receivers are going to be young at quarterback. I feel like they got. I think, 
obviously right now it sounds like the quarterback situation in Lexington is down to three guys. Sounds like to me it's like down to Reese Phillips, uh, Patrick Tolles, but Patrick Tolles probably on the slight edge, and Drew Barker. You know, it's really sad that after year three, Patrick Tolles only has a slight edge. No, you're right. I mean, over two guys who have never taken a snap in college football. You would have thought that uh, Patrick Tolles would have had the, the the hold, you know, on this position. And when he came out of high school, that's what everyone kind of expected. And he just he's had trouble adapting. And I mean, a man cannot beat out Jason Whitlow. I mean, Jalen Whitlow. <laughs> Jalen Whitlow last year. Yeah, I mean, you, you can't beat out Jalen Whitlow. I, I just. You can't beat out Jalen Whitlow. But obviously in the spring they saw enough out of him to tell Whitlow to, to leave. You know, so you got to think that he, you know, in the long run did end up beating, uh, beating out Whitlow. Josh Clemens, Clemens. not Collins. Yeah. Okay. Josh Clemens. We was close. We with the C. Yeah, we were real close. Uh, so, um, you know, I, I think they with that kind of guy, they're going to have some experience at the running back position. They're going to – they're bringing in some receivers. They got at least more depth at the receiver position. The defensive line should be – Solid. Pretty good. You got a Zadarius. You got two NFL defensive ends. Yeah. You got Zadarius on one end. Uh, Hatcher played uh, exceptionally well last year, so he has a more experience. And he's, still more size. On, he's still going to be a reserve, a second stringer. Yeah. So um, as long as he stays away from the bad influences, you know, at UofL, and they get him in trouble. Um, <laughs> anyway, the uh, I, I, I feel defensively, I feel think you're going to see a lot of improvement. He's got young uh, defensive Backs coming in uh, that are going to get a chance to play right away, uh, and that's what worries he, me. I think he can scheme defense, though. Well, he, he you, you can scheme defense, but without any experience, there's only so much scheming you can do. And uh, prime example: Charlie Strong's uh, second year when we played uh, was the second year, or first year we got beat by T.Y. Hilton. We literally, just got beat by one dude, T.Y. Hilton. I remember that. And you know, and our at that point, you know. Calvin Pryor was supposed to be over the top as a safety on him, and Hilton went right past him. Calvin was slow to react, slow to the shift to his to his man, and Louisville got burnt twice on the same seam route by T.Y. Hilton. Those fourteen points cost us the game. Now Calvin Pryor wound up being a, a pretty first good player. Round, yeah, pretty good player, first round <laughs> NFL draft pick. But you know those, those first couple of years. You know, even though Charlie had great schemes on defense, you know you could tell the offense coordinators could take advantage of their youth. And inexperience, and that's what, you know, when I was first going, Kentucky is, is, is going to go ahead and they're going to take another leap and they're going to win four games this season. You know, I was, you know, thinking kind of based on what last year, the guys kind of grown up a little bit. But what kind of got me worried was when Stoops said in his press conference, he's going to have to play 12 to 15 true freshmen. And a lot of those freshmen will be on the offensive line. Absolutely. Well, I thought actually they had a lot of depth coming back in line. Yeah, they have, they have some depth coming back in line. We've got that big fat kid. The freshman? He has like about 500 pounds. Matt Elam? He's a defensive lineman. He can put him on offensive line. And I'm going to stay right there in the middle because he's he, huge. Well, there's a lot of talk that he might not he might not play this year until the he loses gets, some weight. Well, I mean, he's still a five-star prospect. I mean, this is – He is, but I he's mean, just – You know, because in high school, I mean, come on, you're like 500 pounds in high school. Who's going to push you off? Listed at 375, by the way. He's listed – have you seen him? I've seen him. Yeah, he's not 375. No. He's easy. He's, he's, he's like four-something. It's like in wrestling when he's seeing these people. And say he still like, lists as a defensive tackle. I, I don't know. I, I feel like he stays as a defensive lineman. I don't know if, uh, you know, but who who does know? The I, the line actually is, was one of the things that I was actually kind of excited about because I felt like they got some real game like game experience last year. They, they got game experience, but what's going to hurt them is, is the depth. Yeah. 
is is the depth and not that young depth and that young depth on defense. Like once it once it comes to cycle those guys out and the starters go out and have to bring in the backups, that's where it happened last year. And that's exactly what happened last year. What yes. happened last year? You know, the starters were were doing the starters on defense were doing a pretty good job. The secondary was. It was kind of suspect. But but they had, got wore down. Yeah, and, but but you had a lot of young guys on secondary. Kind of got confused by some of the formations and you know offense were throwing at them. And then the defensive line just got worn down. It just plain and simple, they just got tired. Yeah, with, because with the exception of a couple of games in the first quarter, can tell you hung with a lot of teams. Yeah, and you know, but as that depth or especially with the the physicality of SEC football got to you in the third and fourth quarter, uh, things opened up a little bit. And now they have more. They have more talented depth. But it's still young, it's young, yeah. And they haven't, you know, they haven't. Their bodies aren't ready to take that type of SEC pounding. That's why I was kind of, you know, maybe I'm ratchet down maybe the three wins instead so, of four. Well, you you think they're going to beat Tennessee Martin? Obviously, uh, they'll beat Tennessee Martin. They'll beat Ohio. They'll beat. They should beat Ohio. Um, they well should beat Louisiana Monroe. They should. And then they should beat Louisville. That's not going to happen. That's. <laughs> That game's not going to be close. And Kentucky fans know that game's not going to be close because they gave back 2,500 tickets. That is the – first off, the 2,500 ticket thing is being blown way out of proportion. Like, I, it, they – You know what? That, that That is the white flag of surrender. It is not because it happens yes, it all is. the time. No, no, it doesn't. It does, too, happen all the time. No, it doesn't. We have this conversation all the time. Louisville jacks that ticket price up for Kentucky fans, and Kentucky fans can get that ticket cheaper if they don't buy at the university. And not be put up on like the ninety fifth row of the UPS deck or whatever it's called. It has nothing to do. Uh, there will be plenty of Kentucky fans if Kentucky. Let's say Kentucky's sitting at four or five wins. There will be plenty of Kentucky fans in the stands, and I think they will be four wins because I think they're going to be Vanderbilt. So Vanderbilt really is the one that kind of swings that whether or not they're going to get really? four wins or not. Vanderbilt's at home. They don't have James Franklin anymore. They've lost. They lost a lot off last year's team. Um, and I think they're going to realize. They're, they're Stanford's defense coordinator, whose name escapes me, is now their head coach. He's he's done a pretty good job on the recruiting trail himself. You know, Venable hasn't lost too much steam. But you're looking at if they win that game, though, they're three and one at that point. They're probably going to lose to South Carolina because South Carolina is going to be decent this year. They will. They'll, they'll lose South Carolina, but they could at, literally at one time be four and two at at some at a point this year, and then it could be get it could go real bad. <laughs> they go south, south from there. Well, you know, a, a, a team that they could probably beat if they play like they did last year, Florida. Because I'm still you – know, everybody is sold on Florida. Everybody keeps putting Florida in the top 15. What has Florida done to merit being a top 25 team? Well, and I'd feel better about it if it wasn't in Florida. The swamp. It wasn't at Florida. So, um, and that's their first SEC game of the year. You know, the – and there's been a lot of there has been a lot of talk about that. You know, does Kentucky have a chance to go down to Florida and, and win? And Florida's horrible. Florida has no offense at all. And then none. If that happens, none. If that happens, you got to think that uh, that Florida's coach is fired before the like right after that game. He would be fired. Yeah. And but you know, like much champ didn't even think he was coming back this year. He even said in the SEC media days, no, no, uh, uh, he shouldn't have been back. Let's be honest. That that Florida team last year. Was horrible. Now people say you no, know, they had a lot of injuries, and that's why, you know, it, it was Florida was bad. No, they have no offense, none. Even they went eleven and two. If I was like, they should be in a national championship game. If you watch Florida's magical eleven and two run, then you would realize that three of those wins were luck. 
It was a block punt with no time left on the clock back for a touchdown. It was barely escaping beating uh, some southwest directional Louisiana team. It, it was, yeah. I mean, I, a lot of their games were just by the skin of their teeth. It was just luck. I think they got a chance. I mean, I, if, if they were able to win something like that and Stoops was able to get, you know, and even though Florida's down, that's still ending that streak. That's a signature win for this team to build off of. And if they were able to do that and start off. Grand Florida's defense is good. I don't think Kentucky's score. And I think, I think that'll be the other problem. I'm okay winning that game three to nothing. Just like uh, the Matt Rourke game over Tennessee or whatever it was <laughs> a couple years ago when we beat the Tennessee streak with a wide receiver or quarterback. That was, uh, that was quite impressive. Um, but, you know, after that Louisiana-Monroe game, they go and play four of their last six games on the road, including going to LSU. Loss. Two Missouri. Loss. Two Tennessee. Loss. And two Louisville. Loss. And then the home games were Mississippi State and Georgia. So loss Mississippi loss. State is the most likely, but not very likely. No. So Mississippi State's good. And, you know, they're probably not – they're still going to finish like fifth in the SEC West, but they're good. That's, that's, that's kind of a hard run for uh, Kentucky there for the last – because the last like four or five games are all losses. I, I, don't, I don't see a win. I mean, even Tennessee – uh, I think Bush Jones is going to have Tennessee ready and, and, and ready to play because he, he is a phenomenal coach. He is a phenomenal coach. But if they get four wins and they're showing improvement, again, I, improvement doesn't have to result in a win. I mean, just in the way the team carries themselves on the field and how they look on the field. You know, I, I think most Kentucky fans are going to go into being pretty excited for a 2015 season. Uh, I mean, let's face it. Stoops is the most popular two-win coach in America. Yes, he is. I mean, there's no question. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, how, how well he's done the recruiting trail. Uh, but if, if they were able to just be competitive in that last half of the season, it sets up for what could be a good 2015 season. Now that all these young guys are becoming more and more experienced, they're going to unveil the new Commonwealth Stadium at that time. Uh, it it could be, it could set up for a. I'm not gonna say like a magical season in 2015. I'm not gonna go that far, but it, it could be a bull season in 2015. Well, no, for me it's with with, with UK. It's with, with the young guys. It's how their bodies handle that pounding, and hopefully they don't have like a rash of injuries kind of towards that second half of the season. It kind of happened to them last year. Yeah, and that's because they were young. And then you know that that grind, and you're you're not physically mature, and your body just gets beat down. So you start starts having those rash of injuries. So hopefully that doesn't happen again this year. They can kind of escape the injury bug and kind of just, you know move on from there. Um, the other thing I kind of look forward to, and this the biggest thing for me with UK, is if they don't quit. That's exactly right. Because that's exactly what we, you're looking for. Because normally what happens with the UK team, they get down by, and this is what the AP reporter was talking about. He goes, because he covers both UK and UofL. And he was like, when UK gets down by 10, and you, when, when you're on the sidelines, you can kind of you know, get a good kind of feel for the team. You can kind of tell the UK players are like, yeah, I don't think we're coming back. Yeah, you know, something lucky is going to have to happen for us to pull, to pull this out. And, it, and he referenced a game like uh, when, he, when he called the fake punt. Because that was Alabama. They called it the, the fake kick, and he yeah. made it in for a touchdown. It was everybody was excited, kind of pumped up. Then Alabama comes back and scores, and it just then, deflates him. And it just deflated him, and he had no chance. And he was like, conversely, look at Louisville when they played Rutgers because he was at that game as well. You know, and Teddy is limping around; he's hurt. 
he goes, but, you know, from looking at the Louisville sidelines, you know, down by 10 points in the fourth quarter, he was like there was every UofL player, there's no doubt in their mind they want to come back and win that game. But you didn't get, I didn't get that sense in the Central Florida game. Central Florida game? No, at that, at that game, I was there. I, I mean, was there. It, it looked like they were defeated. No, no it looked, what, what happened was panic set in. Yeah. Because Char- once Louisville got to the big lead, Charlie took his foot off the gas and then was trying to let his defense just win the game. And once, you know, in football, once momentum kind of kind of changes. It's hard. It's, it's, hard to, it's hard to get it shift back. And Louisville could never really, really get it back. When he tried to open up the playbook, then it was too late. So uh, we'll get back to a little more football talk. We only got about 15 minutes left. We're going to get to our last break. And then we got to talk a little bit about. Kentucky basketball in the summertime. They play today at 1 o'clock. It should be uh, another exciting win for the Cats. And we'll be right back on, exciting scrimmage. on the weekend sports buzz. You're listening to the weekend sports buzz. Tell us your thoughts on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln buzz line at 384-1450. All right, we are back. Final segment here of the weekend sports buzz, 1450 WXVW. Mike Gandolfo, Haven Harrington. Uh, talked a little bit about about Kentucky football last. Do you think it's good for Stoops to have this uh, the attention not fully on his team right now and kind of the focus of Kentucky fans to be in the Bahamas? No, because every football coach wants the attention on their team. Yeah, you know, I could see that. I mean, I, overall, especially given the time of year, but especially football season like uh, two weeks away. But I think in some ways, like Kentucky fans are going to be so jacked up after this Bahamas trip that it could make the crowd a little more excitable. For that first game, no, yeah, for UK's first basketball game, no, their football game too. No, no, no. Oh, uh, no. I don't know. Come on, you, look, look. There's like a uh, there's like a high that they'll be. There, there is a high. They'll be excited when Kentucky basketball season rolls around. They'll show up to the football games and be you know quiet and, and pleasant, and and they'll start off five and zero. No, <laughs> basketball team, yes. The uh, let me just throw some some similarities out here to you. In 2011, Kentucky made a surprise run to the Final Four and lost to Connecticut. And then they had guys decide to come back instead of going to the NBA, as such as Deron Lamb and Terrence Jones. Uh, Terrence Jones is probably the most likely to be a, you know, he probably still would have been a lottery pick. And then, and so they come back, and then they take a trip to Canada with their new freshman, and then they go on a pretty magical 2011-2012 run to a national championship. This team obviously had a surprise run, lost to Connecticut in the national championship game, uh, had guys come back that definitely probably could have gone pro as well, is going to have probably the deepest team that Cal's ever had at Kentucky. Okay, this is one of the deepest teams in the nation. Nine Period. McDonald's All-Americans for the first time in NCAA history, but Duke also has nine this year. On one team, which put that in perspective, I think the Big 12 has six or seven. And the Big 10 has six or seven. So more on Kentucky's team than in some entire conferences. And now you're looking at a, a situation where they're playing much better competition on this Bahamas trip than they played in Canada in 2011. I mean, it's not even close. This French team that they beat by 25 points that they're playing today again at 1 o'clock today, won their league in a French Pro A league and has like legitimate Division One guys on it. Their guards might not be the the best, but their front line guys are phenomenal. Uh, the Dominican team they had yesterday had 
Francisco Garcia and Edgar Sosa and, and those guys and uh, gave them a little bit of a run yesterday just mainly because they didn't let them uh, run out on transition offense and, and just score easy transition points. This Kentucky team has a chance to be extremely special. And it doesn't look and, – and this is the most experience he's had, the most depth. 40-0? I'm not ever going to say 40-0. And you'll never hear that. And you didn't hear it coming out of my mouth last year. They have a much better chance of it. 38-2? This year than last time. Their 38-2 is definitely feasible and possible. Now, I mean, they got some pretty hard non-conference games. So, um, But this team's not going to be – Oh, uh, we're gonna have to kind of wait and see what we have in December and November, like it's been in the past. You, you're gonna pretty much know what you got, and um, this is a this is a really skilled basketball team that's doing this right now with two first round picks sitting out on the bench without with injury, you know. And so there's you there's nine guys on this team. I'm not don't don't misread my statement. I'm not saying they're gonna get nine guys drafted in the first round next year. But there's nine guys on this team that if they got drafted in the first round last year, next year, you wouldn't be surprised. You know what? N- nothing surprises me anymore at Cal and the NBA draft. Wait till they get eight guys drafted this year. I mean, the guy's got Cal Orton drafted. <laughs> he did. He didn't say anything else. He got Cal Orton drafted. <laughs> and Archie Goodwin in that same light, actually, I think. is. I mean, yes. I mean, he has guys drafted at no reason being drafted by anybody. Pick up basketball, nothing. But, I, you know, Poitras is a great example of a guy who's made the best decision for him. This is a guy who – The Harrison Twins, I think, made a good decision. The Harrison Twins back. have made a great decision. They're, they're so much leaner. They're more into it. I, I, they are, they're, they're thinking about their teammates. I thought they, got a, they were a little selfish at the beginning of the season last year. And when that kind of – to me, that was the big turnaround last year. When they started playing a little bit more – they were too me-focused for the majority of the year. But when they started – Kind of fit, going bind to the team concept. That's when they started playing well, and um, man, I've, I'm so impressed with especially Aaron Harrison how he's attacking the basket and shooting from the outside. Uh, I just think these guys and they look they look quicker on defense, like they're buying into the defense a little bit more. Um, and to me, and that's the big thing because that's where UConn was able to beat Kentucky with with quick guards, not quite as big, but quick, fast guards. You know, they they were able to kind of go around the Harrisons and kind of break down UK's defense. So that's what that's the biggest thing. They can really show up that perimeter defense, especially to go one on one against fast guards. That would uh, be with his depth and what he's been doing so far, there looks like they're gonna press. And and if they do, and they got so much length. I mean, they're so long. And you got some guys like Poitras at six nine and Willie Cauley Stein at seven. The, the Harrison twins at six five six six. I mean that's yeah. And well, I'm okay. saying Marcus Lee though has been at the point of this press. He's been the point man of this press, and he's long and athletic enough to do it. And uh, I'm like I said, never going to say forty. You know, the the Louisville is going to be exceptionally good this year too, just because they lost Hancock and Russ Smith. The coverage's not bare. They've got. Louisville easily could have two All-Americans on this team. Actually, I expect that Louisville will have two All-Americans on their team with Terry Rogier and Montrez Harrell, who are playing unbelievable basketball this summer. This is a this could be another really kind of special year around here, and it, it could look a lot like 2013, where both these teams make a Final Four run. And and, and as we'll tell all our friends in ACC countries tuning in, this 
is basketball country. Absolutely. Which what you guys do in North Carolina is pretend to be basketball. Yeah, their fans are not nearly as rabid as what they are here. Oh no, not even close. So, also got to give a big shout out to IU, who's also doing a, a which to me is a perfect timing. IU's taking the same Canadian trip that Kentucky took in 2011, and there's not a team that needs it more to kind of help them come Man, together. That extra practice for them is huge. Is is, is phenomenal. I mean, because the, they really need that. They need to get their team together, get the pieces of the puzzle together, maybe try some different things. And try to get them on the same page. And uh, exactly right. I mean, they just got to get – because this is a make-or-break year, without a doubt. And um, they're, they've they been making some tr- strides on the recruiting trail for next year, but they've not really been able to kind of crack into any of the big boys. They're going to have a decent group of guys, but it's not going to be anybody who's going to turn your head. They, have, they don't have any commitments yet. They need to have a really good season here to show that the guys that are on campus – uh, can can turn this around for for Tom Crean. Otherwise, Tom Crean's in trouble. And this would be a well, you know, this would be a good test of how well Tom Crean can actually coach. You know, like yeah, because like, like, gonna, he's gonna have to coach. Yeah, I mean, like, how can you take a guys with maybe not the most talented prospects in the world and, and make them play and make them win? If you can play team, if you can play good fundamental basketball, play good team oriented fundamental basketball, you can beat a lot of teams with superstars just based on being fundamentally sound and use and playing with the team concept. You can beat a lot of talented basketball teams, but you have to play team ball. You have to be uh, unselfish, and you got, you, got, you got to play that team concept. You have to play to a T and play those fundamentals. So uh, IU in their trip in Canada, 4-1. and one. Is what they did. Not uh, too bad. Not too bad. Uh, they ended up with a 109-77 win in their last game, beating the University of Quebec at Montreal. Uh, the fighting, whatever. And, uh, you know, hopefully they're going to make the turnaround. So we're up uh, up against the end of this show. Again, we we only got an hour because the youth football coming on immediately after this. Uh, we are hoping to do a college football preview show next week. So we're hoping that you guys tune in and uh, talk about all the college football in the area. We'll break down the ACC, the SEC, and uh, look at both schools and in the Big Ten a little bit more closely uh, as we get ready for football season. So enjoy this great weekend, and we will be right back with you next week. See you next week on the Weekend Sports Buzz, brought to you by Brand J. Lawrence, personal injury attorney.